I grew up in uh, Lansing, Michigan, and uh, there was a particular uh, street uh, that it was Pennsylvania Avenue, and uh, there was this uh, train trussle. It just went over, and it was kind of one of those guys that had the low clearance. And it seemed like almost every day some semi would come barreling down and just destroy the cab and the, uh, just the trailer. It was a dreadful thing. And so, the, you know, they, they continued to try to, they'd put signs, and then they thought, well, we'll put signs earlier in the road so they can see them along the way. And then they, they installed lights, and those lights were flashing, and it didn't matter what was going on. People didn't pay attention to the warning signs. Smash. Lots and lots of money lost in these incidents, my friend. Just because they did not follow the warning signs. In our study in the book of Hebrews, I want to remind you of the audience. These are, think of the name to the Hebrews, uh, these are Jews who have put their faith in Jesus Christ. And they are going through a difficult, difficult time right now in that they are inclined in their difficulty to go back to what they know, in that they want to go back to the law. They want to go back to Moses. And yet Christ has set us free from the law. We have moved from law to grace And this letter is addressed to that particular situation. And my friends, uh, here in chapter 3, we're going to start in verse 1, and we're going to, again, notice the address, considering the audience, as we hear this message this morning. The writer here begins chapter 3 with this, Therefore, in light of what has been said in chapter 2, particularly the high priest position of Jesus, that key word Melchizedek that was read here today, Jesus, who is a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. He is the one who knows our needs. He is the one who understands them because of his suffering. But in light of all that we know about Jesus... Notice uh, he, he is addressing these people, and we know that they're believers. First thing we see here is, therefore, holy. <laughs> well, my friends, we know that holy means to be set apart. An item can be holy, a person can be holy. You may have some holy dishes at home. You know, the kind that you only bring out for the real special guests. Holy, set apart. Guess what? Through Jesus, you are holy. You are set apart. You are part of the family of God. You are different than the rest. And then, of course, the word brothers, indicating a special relationship. And so, again, these are not lost people that the author is writing to. He's talking to Christians who want to live out the Old Testament instead of the New Covenant. And then you will notice the writer uses this word who says, And you share in a heavenly calling. 
And that word share means to be a partner. You have a partnership in this calling. And that very same word is used to describe, you know, that uh, Peter and John would have this fishing business, you know, and, uh, and they were partners. And that word is used in that context. It, it means that they had a, a share in what, what was uh, provided through Jesus Christ. And as a matter of fact, that's what the writer begins to transition to, saying, hey, you are holy brothers and have a share in all of this that we've written about. So consider Jesus, the apostle. Now, this is the only place in the Bible where you'll read about Jesus being an apostle. So to understand what in the world they're talking about, let's understand the word apostle. The word apostle means one who is sent. In John chapter 17, 18, we read, As you sent me into the world, that's Jesus in his high priestly prayer. And this is an astounding prayer. I really encourage you to take some time today to read through John 17. Just make a little note in your mind, in your Bible. Because Jesus is not only praying for his disciples, but he's praying for you. And it says specifically what Jesus is praying for you today. But in that high priestly prayer, Jesus says, as you have sent me into the world, see, Jesus was one sent. The Father sent the Son into the world. And so consider Jesus, the sent one, an apostle and a high priest. Consider Jesus the apostle and high priest of our confession. And this is where it continues. Now remember, the strategy of the book of Hebrews is to change the mind of these people who want to go back is to simply lay out who Jesus is in contrast to where they would be turning. And you recall that uh, the author started out with a contrast of Jesus and angels. Angels were significant in the Old Testament. But now the contrast turns to Moses himself. Who would you follow? Moses? Or would you follow Jesus? But you will notice... Continuing here, my friends, in verse 2, who was faithful, talking about Jesus, the apostle and the high priest of our confession, who was faithful to him who appointed him. And so the mark of Jesus, most certainly in his mission, in coming to this, this planet, adding flesh to himself, this, this humanity, is that he was faithful but guess what? <laughs> Jesus was faithful representing God to man and now representing man to God. But verse 2 continues, just as Moses was also faithful in all of God's house. You look back at the story of Moses, man, that'll develop some compassion. 
Moses had some real, real compassion and patience for the people of God who didn't listen very well. Wow. But you know that this statement about Moses being faithful in all God's house was not put together by this author. You see, he's quoting something from Numbers chapter 12. I would encourage you to turn with me to Numbers chapter 12. Let me keep your finger in Hebrews 3. But in Numbers chapter 12, in verse 1, we read that Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses because of the Cushite woman that he had married. For he had married a Cushite woman. And they said, has the Lord indeed spoken only to Moses? <whistles> Big mutiny on this day. And they said, has the Lord indeed spoken only through Moses? Has he not spoken through us also? And the Lord heard it. I guarantee you there's not a conversation the Lord misses. But the Lord heard it. Now the man Moses, verse 3, was very meek. More than all the people who were on the face of the earth. Humility and strength. And suddenly the Lord said to Moses and to Aaron and Miriam, Come out you three to the tent of meeting. And the three of them came out, and the Lord came down in a pillar of cloud and stood in the entrance of the tent, then called Aaron and Miriam, and they both came forward, and he said, Hear my words. If there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, make myself known to him in a vision. I speak with him in a dream. But not so with my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. He speaks to Moses face to face. He is unlike any other prophet. And so Jesus is faithful, but then again, so is Moses. So maybe it's just as good to follow one as the other, huh? <laughs> well... The contrast continues, my friend. Look at verse 3. For Jesus has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses. As much more glory as the builder of a house has more honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. And so for clarity, if you, that, that is as clear as mud, <laughs> what are we talking about here? Jesus is worthy of more glory. I mean, we get that. But what is this argument as much more as the glory of the builder of a house has more honor than the house itself? Yeah, we say, oh, what a marvelous designer. And guess what? Jesus is creator. Jesus is the one that designed the tabernacle. Jesus is the one who put it all in place. And so verse 5, we read that Moses was a faithful servant in God's house. Again, the, the, the scripture does not put Moses lower in order to raise Jesus up, as most men are ought to do. To make them feel, themselves feel better, they put someone else down. Not necessary with Jesus. 
Yes, indeed, Moses was a faithful servant, a faithful follower of God, and he obeyed God. He was a godly, godly man. So Moses, he was faithful in all of God's house as a servant to testify of the things that were to be spoken later. But, and here's the contrast, Christ is faithful over God's house as a son. You see, Moses was faithful in God's house as a servant, but Jesus is faithful over God's house, and he is a son. And we are his house if indeed we hold fast. Do not miss this statement, friends. We are his house if indeed we hold fast. That means to hold tight, not to let go of, not to let loose, but to hold on fast to our confidence and our boasting and our hope. And of course, our hope is Jesus. Our hope is Jesus. So this contrast, Jesus is greater than Moses. Moses, while he was a faithful servant in God's house, Jesus is faithful son over God's house. And so Christ is faithful. And now here comes the application, my friends. Here comes the application. This is where we buckle up. This is where we tune in. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness where your fathers put me to the test and saw my work for 40 years. Whoa, what's he talking about here? Hey, judge yourself lest you be judged. Judge yourself lest you be judged. They grumbled against God. He's talking about an event from Numbers chapter 20. I would encourage you to turn there as well. Numbers chapter 20. This is a profound event, my friends. Now, of course, Numbers 20 was preceded by Numbers chapter 13. And you remember what happened in Numbers chapter 13? Enormous event. <clears throat> you see, God had promised after releasing this, this nation of Israel out of captivity in Egypt, that he was going to take them to the promised land. And in Numbers chapter 13... And it's easy to remember the 13 because it's related to the number 12 in a twisted way. <laughs> you see, uh, they reached a place and God told Moses to take 12 men of this nation and send them into the land that God had promised them. 12 men, 12 spies in number chapter Numbers chapter 13. And they went in and they looked at the land. And they, they looked at the fields. And they looked at the cities. And they looked at all of these things. And they brought back a sample of the grapes from a vineyard. And the scripture... <coughs> <coughs> Still not COVID-19. 
I might cough again, however. Here it is. <coughs> wow. Well, that was conveniently timed, wasn't it? <coughs> wow. So they came out. The scripture tells how they, they brought out a bunch of grapes, and it took two men, each on the end of a pole, carrying these grapes. And they said, let's hear your report. Tell us about the land. And they said, it is everything that God promised. Of course it is. And it is a great land. It is, it is fruitful. And the, the country and the, and the walled cities, they're massive. And this is the land that God promised us. And then they added this. They weren't asked, but they said, there's no way that we will ever take this land. We should just go back to Egypt. And God was furious because the people listened to these. There were 12 spies. Ten of them gave a bad report. And there was a guy named Joshua and Caleb. And they said, we can take it. I mean, they looked back and they saw the actions and the power and the promises of God. And they said, let's go in. But ten of them said, not going to happen. And they listened to the ten instead of the two. And God was angry with them. And you see here in verse 9, where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for 40 years. You know what that's referencing? God told them, this generation that refused to believe me is going to wander in this wilderness for 40 years till every one of them is dead. And your children, whom you said this land will eat up, will inherit this land. God is not very patient with unbelief. For those who refuse to believe, my friends. So here we are in Numbers 20. And verse 2. Now, here they are out in the wilderness... And there was no water for that congregation. And they assembled themselves together against Moses and Aaron. And the people quarreled with Moses. And said, would that we had perished when our brothers perished before the Lord. Now I want you to hear this very clearly. All grumbling is grumbling against God. All grumbling is grumbling against God. You don't like the circumstances that God has put you in? You look at these people grumbling and quarreling, and you say they are despicable, and so are we when we grumble. And so they grumbled against Moses. Why have you brought this assembly of the Lord into the wilderness? Now, they knew the answer because God told them to. That we should die here, both we and our cattle. And why have you made us come up out of Egypt to bring us to this evil place? It is no place for grain or figs or vines or, or pomegranates, and there's no water to drink. <coughs> and so the Lord told Moses, 
to go and, and speak to a rock and say, send forth water from this rock. And Moses had done this before. The Lord had told him, except the other time, to strike the rock, to take his staff. And that's what Moses did, except this particular time. He said, must we do this again? And so Moses lost his temper and took his staff and smashed the rock. And yeah, water came forth. But that was the end for Moses. God said, you've dishonored me. And you will not make it into the promised land either. But in verse 10 of Numbers chapter 20, we read, Therefore, I was provoked with that generation and said, They always go astray in their heart, and they have not known my ways. Wow. <clears throat> and as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. God was provoked by that generation. And that generation did not enter the promised land. Didn't enter the promised land, my friends. So judge yourself lest you be judged, my friend. And guard yourselves against an unbelieving heart. Back in Hebrews 3, verse 12. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an unbelieving heart leading you to fall away. This, this, this expression, these two words, fall away, is translated from a word in which we get the word apostasy. Unless you are drawn away. And that is precisely what was going on here. Difficult days, my friends. They simply walked away from the living God. And so guard your heart. Guard your heart because a thought becomes an action. And an action becomes a habit. And a habit wreaks a destiny, my friends. So guard your hearts. Take care, brothers. And guard one another, but exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today. And what's he mean by that? <laughs> it's a quote from Psalm 95. And it means while there is an opportunity to act. As long as it is called today that none of you be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. <clears throat> and sin is nothing but deceit. You buy the lie when you sin. It says there, there, there's, you can have happiness without God. You can be happy with things. The things are the purpose of life. Go ahead and get one. Spend a little more. Entertainment will, will be the fulfillment of your life. Watch another movie. And it draws you away from what really truly matters. My friends, guard yourself against an unbelieving heart. Guard your own heart and guard one another. Exhort one another every day. 
Encourage one another. My friends, we live in a country that is celebrated its individuality. It's us. I can do it. But that's not the church. It's we. It's us. Exhort one another. One another is the most important word when it comes to the church. One another. Guard one another against the deceitfulness of sin. Because here in verse 14, and if you don't have it underlined in your Bible and written on your walls, my friends, I would encourage you to do so. For we have come to share in Christ if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. I have seen too many people in the 30-some years of ministry start with all kinds of passion and excitement and, yeah, I want to get in that, I want to get involved, and then things kind of level out. And then they start to just drift away. Whatever happened to that guy? My friends... We have a share of Christ if we continue on. That is the evidence of true faith, is that you continue on in faith in Christ. And you will notice this is a mark, not a requirement. You are not saved by continuing on, by trying harder, my friend. It is a mark of those who are the real deal. And so, my friends, guard yourselves against an unbelieving heart. Guard your heart. Guard one another. Learn the lessons of the past. As it is said, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. For who were those who heard and yet rebelled? Was it not all those who left Egypt by Moses? They were delivered, redeemed from slavery. Hmm. For who were those who heard yet rebelled? <laughs> those who left Egypt by Moses. And so Israel's sin in the wilderness. And, who, who, and with whom was he provoked for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned and whose bodies fell in the wilderness? Sure, they were led out. But they grumbled. They rebelled. And here in verse 18, And to whom did he swear? That they would not enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient. Those who found it so easy to rebel against God. To ignore his word and his commands. So we see that they were unable to enter because of unbelief. Hear me when I say this. Only those who continue will arrive. Only those who continue on in faith will see the gates of heaven, my friend. 
only those who trust God. And trust wasn't a thing. It wasn't an emotion. It's a commitment. I trust Christ. Not I trusted Christ. If I ask you about your salvation, you immediately start talking about the past and never get into the present. Something is missing. Trusting Him day by day. Those who are saved by faith will live by faith. And so hear me, only those who continue will actually arrive. So check your heart. What are you more invested in in this world? Eternal life? Living for God? Obeying His Word? Struggling against sin? Instead of just simply giving in? And check your practice. Check your practice, my friends. How are you living? What does your day look like? Does it look different, your priorities, than the rest of the world who knows not Jesus? Only those who continue will arrive. It doesn't matter what you once did. I have heard many people, you know, who who do nothing in the church, but they talk about when they were younger. You know what? I used to do this, and I used to do that, and I... Well, why aren't you doing anything now? You can't live on the past. How do I know that your faith is real? It doesn't matter what I think of your faith. What matters is what does God think of your faith? Put your trust in Christ. Live it out day after day.